What's up, guys? I'm Carolina Risotto, and welcome to another episode of No Ducks Given Podcast, the podcast where we speak openly and honestly about the highs and lows in life because vulnerability is a superpower, not a weakness. Today's guest is Chich Bolt. He's a creator and entrepreneur based here in New York City. He moved to New York City two years ago and since then has built the creator community called Creators NYC. The goal of this community is to connect and to support artists all over New York. So all kinds of people are welcome. And something super interesting about his story is that he's actually moved 36 times. He's only 24 years old, so that's a lot of moving. In this episode, we're going to be talking about building community within instability, which is something I think that he's pretty much mastered. Chich, thank you so much for joining us. I'm feeling excited about this. I'm I'm really excited to be on No Ducks Given. Are you ready to give no ducks? Oh, I'm not going to give a duck, yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. Okay. Though I do have some rubber ducks if you want them, I could give a duck, but I'm you not know, I'm not going to give a duck here. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah. I've been thinking about that actually cuz when I first came up with the name of the podcast, part of the joke was I can't give a duck, but my guests need to give me a duck. So, the thing is I haven't That should have been in the email. <laughs> I just feel duck bad. required. You must give One. me a duck. Yeah, you know, I've just been like, how do I make this transition and tell my guests that they're supposed to bring me a duck? It just feels a little bit, I don't know, abusive. <laughs> I don't need to demand anything. And I, mean, I, don't know. I have extra ducks. I mean, if somebody doesn't have ducks, then you're kind of screwed. Uh, like, yeah. What are you going to do? I don't I mean, know. I guess is there a store? There are just multiple. Just like a duck store? There are multiple stores. Hmm. I mean, people sell rubber ducks all over New York. So if I'm interviewing you here, there's no excuse. And even if you travel in Europe, they sell it everywhere. Right. I, I have all my ducks from cruise ships. Because oh. they do like hidden ducks all over the cruise ship. You're supposed to rehide them, but I kept them as souvenirs. Oh, there you go. So I ruined everybody else's fun. But, That's okay. Right. <laughs> it's for a greater good. I have over a hundred rubber ducks, so I've ruined a lot of people's fun. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> but they were purchased. I mean, actually, by other people. They're always given to me. Yeah. So my duck obsession is not that bad. Like, I'm not out there okay. buying all the rubber ducks in existence. You Yet. know what I mean? Yet. <laughs> Just the, these around me. This big one right behind me, if yeah. you're watching us on video, it, it was a gift as well. It was a Christmas gift during COVID. So I'm super excited to get into your story because... You know, I've known you for almost a year now, and even when we were talking before the interview, I was so surprised to hear how many times you had moved and mm -hmm. how, you know, that connects really simply to me, to the fact that you're just like so focused on creating community now that you're in New York. So uh, tell us a little bit, bit about your family and why you had to move like 36 times? How the hell did you move so many times in your existence? That's crazy. Um, my parents divorced at a very early age. So almost every year, both my mom and my dad had to move like at least once. We were super unstable with income. And also I have five siblings. So it's really difficult to find a landlord that will allow a single mother to have five children in one house for a long time. So usually we would end up staying at a place for about like six months before the landlord would be like, hey, not working for me. And we'd have to find a new place within that year. So you were moving at least once a year since you were born. And you yeah. also were like split between two households. 
Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot to, wow, to handle. Mm. So how did you make friends? Like, how did you find any stability in that? Because that's what kids need the most. Most of my friends were just through school. Um, and that's where I'd be able to hang out with them the most. Um, sometimes we would actually move into a house that'd be like right next to one of my friends at school. And then it'd be like best friends for that, like few months, um, hanging out every day. And then it'd be like, oh, I'm moving away. It'd always be confusing to them. But, um, after that, that friendship would kind of like fizzle out because it, it, I mean, you move across the city, then it's like, okay, how are we going to hang out every day now? And then when I moved to new cities, usually those friends, friendships would just stop um, within a few months after that, just because we were still in school. And when you're still in school, you just make new friends when your old ones are gone. There's a huge spike these days on loneliness and people struggling to make friends. Like there's so many studies about that right now. I was actually reading one this morning, just showed up on my timeline. So how do you make friends when you have to change environments so many times? Because I've moved like five or six times in terms of cities, like you know, from Brazil to Minnesota to New York, LA, back to New York. I already know the struggles about that. But like, how was that for you at such a young age, having to move so many times? How do you make friends? Every time I go to a new school or move into a new city, I I mostly hung out like at coffee shops. I hung out at like the park. And anytime that I'd see like a photographer or somebody that was like working on video, like that's something that I knew I liked. So anytime I would move or anytime that I needed to make new friends, it was just like instinct. As soon as I saw somebody that did what I did, I had to talk, like at least talk to them, get to know them a little bit. So then um, there was like a, a potential for a friendship. I didn't go up expecting to be friends, but I just went up trying to um, connect with somebody that became like a skill for me. So like in my professional life, like it, the most important people that I've met are just, it it was just somebody sitting at a coffee shop working on Premiere Pro. I saw it, I talked to them and then I got a job or somebody that is out in the wild taking a picture or just like with their camera gear on them. Like after talking to them, now I've got a new client or they're going to have me as their intern. Um, That's how I got my first apprenticeships. That's how I got my first mentors. What places did you live in the Midwest? So I grew up in northern Wisconsin out of a small town called Ashland. Um, It sounds small. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's in like this little bay area of uh, Lake Superior. It's beautiful there, but um, you're mostly just going to find college students that go to the local college and then, uh, any, like you'll find families that are there to raise children. And that's about it there. I met my, fr- the first person that inspired me that I wanted to do something like with cameras and like creativity. Um, he was a photographer that would be out on the shoreline taking pictures of Lake Superior, taking pictures of nature. Uh, he invited me to go take pictures with him one morning. And that was the first time I was fascinated by photography. So that was a spark of like a creative career. And it's just moments like that where like I see somebody in the wild, I go up to them, I talk to them, and I try to learn something from them, connect with them. Something I'm noticing as I'm doing these interviews is that all it takes is like one moment to spark your curiosity 
to actually change your direction completely. So mm -hmm. you like you met that one photographer and you're like, you know what? I want to do that. So mm -hmm. which is cool because I think it breaks down the idea of getting out of your comfort zone and it simplifies it because mm -hmm. it doesn't take much for you to do it. Like that's enough. And that already changed your whole life path. So it's do you think that the fact that you had difficulty, I mean, not difficulty, but the fact that you had to constantly be making friends and meeting new people is also what got you to that photographer? Uh, this was pretty early on. So Ashland is one of the cities that I moved around the most, but I lived in that city maybe the the longest. How old were you? <sighs> Eight. Eight? Yeah. Um, man. <laughs> That's you, crazy. You run wild in those little towns. Uh, wow. Yeah, me and my friends would just be out dawn till dusk almost every day on our bikes. That's cool. I wasn't born in a small town, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk to strangers like that. Uh, so I'm just, I'm just so surprised with your social skills at eight years old. <laughs> well, when I think back on it, like this man, he wasn't like an old man or anything. So it wasn't like creepy. It was like, he was probably like in his early twenties going to college. Okay. But to me, he was like this, old. this old guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was actually talking to my mom preparing for this podcast about it, and she reconnected me with his work. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, what is he up to? He's not a he. He does photography still, but he's actually a dentist now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. The guy who didn't even pursue photography full time is the one who inspired you to get into it. That's kind of interesting. Well, he still does it, not professionally. Yeah. And the thing is, is like up in like those, I, I mean, like in the Midwest areas, it's difficult to have a full-time career mm -hmm. as a creative. So when you were out trying to make friends, what was the most difficult part about it, about having to start over or find a new social circle and readapt? It's weird when a stranger just approaches you and wants to know something about you. I always find it to be best to just like fight the the friction that you feel when like you see somebody that looks like they could be your friend um, and like you have to make a choice. Do I get really uncomfortable for just a moment to say hi to this person and maybe just get their name and if that's it, that's it. But if it works, that could be somebody that, as we were talking earlier, completely changes the directory of your life. So and, whenever you would feel like a sense of curiosity to talk to someone, yeah you would just be like, there's more to gain than to, than to lose. And so I'd rather face a little bit of this discomfort so I can see what's on the other side. Right. And sometimes when you're, you're out in public, you can feel like this magnetic pull towards some people. Mm. I always follow that. It's, I always follow it. I always talk to those people, especially like if they look like they're open to a conversation or aren't like super busy. I always do it now. There's not a time where I go, no, not this time, or I'll do that another day, or like, I'll see them again. I I never assume I'm going to see somebody again. If I feel that pull towards somebody, I go for it. The person that I met that now led me to New York City, like that was the same feeling I felt towards him. Hmm. It was just like, I need to meet this person. This could be my only chance. I'm going to go for it. I'm curious to know, like, around what age um, you started Ooh. following that religiously, because it seems like you started, you know, just approaching people at such a young age, much younger than most people. Fifteen. Fifteen? Okay. Fifteen was 
definitely where I was like any person that goes to my school that does photography, I'm going to hang out with them. Any person that has any um, dream or even interest in doing YouTube or like becoming like a vlogger or something or being uh, in a creative career, I want that person to be a long-term friend. So what made you make that decision? 15 is when I made one of the biggest moves. Um, that's when I moved from like North, like Lake Superior uh, area all the way down to like Southwest Michigan. And this was a huge move where I transitioned from living with my mom primarily to living with my dad. And this is what I wanted to do when I turned 16. So I pushed so hard to do it. And actually on my 16th birthday, um, I officially was at my dad's and like the papers of were signed with custody and stuff. When I moved into Matawan, Michigan, um, another somewhat small town outside of Kalamazoo, Michigan, every single person I met, no matter what, I made sure to connect with, be friends with, learn about them, follow them on Instagram, whatever, hang out with them, take pictures with them. Um, and ever since 15, 16, it was instinct. So you weren't living with your siblings anymore because you have five siblings. Oh, we, we split up for a little bit. It must be really hard having to move that many times. So how did you find stability within that instability? It was really unstable. It's really hard to find s stability, really. It was just more like surviving in the instability. My dad wasn't home very much. So I became like the older brother slash you know, the caretaker of the house. I would make sure that my brother ate dinner. I'd make sure that, like, eventually when my sisters moved in with us, um, like, my oldest sister became the caretaker, thank goodness, because that was a lot to handle for me. What were the things that you struggled with the most? I think that maybe the worst part of that experience was when I moved to live with my dad, it was out of a, like an, an internal need to want a relationship with him. Cause I didn't have that living with my mom. I'd see him in the summers and like some holidays, but like he always seemed so distant. So when I moved with my dad, I was expecting like to be able to spend time with him, but because we lived with him and he had to pay for that expense, he ended up working all the time then. So really the difficult thing was like moving with this big hope on this one thing and that not being there. No relationship with my dad still. We talk minimally. Um, and it's not because we don't love each other. It's just, it's hard to connect on anything now. So do you think the biggest issue with your dad was because of the financial part? That's like why he didn't connect? Or do you think that was also just a barrier that was created because of the distance you had growing up? He's a good dad. Um, he did it because he cared about us. He wanted to make sure that we were, we were doing all right. Um, but that's a hard question to answer. Um, I think that, I mean, even now he's still in his work. He still is all about it. Um, and 
Yeah, it's a hard question to answer. Still not solved, I guess. <laughs> Maybe it's a question to ask him. I, this Father's Day, I did actually. Ooh. Yeah, we we talked about it, um, but yeah, he's. I mean, I want. I don't want to call it an excuse, but it it's still the same reasoning. He's busy with work, um, and he's in the in his career, so it's okay. I but mean, I understand it. We live in New York, which is a city that's very work focused. Mm -hmm. So having lived that experience with your dad, would you, what did you learn from that? Um, that I don't want to do the same thing. <laughs> I, I want to be focused on my career and I want to be really good at what I do and I want to be able to be financially stable, um, but I want to do all that while also making sure that I have friends. My dad does not have friends right now. It's just him and his wife, uh, my stepmother, and they're just, now they live in California. I mean, our conversation on Father's Day was like, hey, what do you, what do, you do on your free time? Like, I, d I know nothing. Um, and he was just like, oh, I like watch TV and think about work. And that was it. And I was like, hmm, I don't want that for me. So, yeah, I guess if you're asking how it affected me, it's made me want to connect with people while I grow. And while I am going on with my career, um, so... I, I don't want to end up alone. And I wouldn't say it's a fear because I'm very comfortable being alone. I've had to spend time with myself alone a lot. Um, but I just want to make sure that I always have friends wherever I'm at. Do you feel like that helps you fill a little bit of that void? The void of? The father presence. I had, well, he was a father to me. It's not like, I don't, I, I don't have like daddy issues. I don't think I, you do. It's not like I hate my dad. I love him and he's great. Um, he gives me advice when I need it and he gives me the right advice. He's available, but it's just like, if we were to have, <laughs> if you were to put me and my dad on like a vacation trip somewhere, I have no idea where we'd go. I have no idea what we would do. Um, and like, I, I, I would actually be very interested in doing that with my dad someday. Um, do you think you would discover new parts of yourself by spending more time with him? I'm just curious. The closest thing that I've done to that with him is when I moved to New York City. Um, I took a one-way trip back home on a flight to pack up my apartment and take what I absolutely wanted or needed. And I couldn't fly it all back because it was like a car full of stuff. So we actually stuffed it all in my dad's Prius. And then we drove from Michigan all the way to New York City. And like that was a, a day and a half trip. And all you had to do on that is talk in the car and make some rest stops that were interesting. And that's it. That was a really special trip to me, um, and especially having 
I mean, when I said I was going to move to New York City, both my parents were like, what the hell? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you planning on doing? Um, are you sure you can do this? Uh, why would you move so far away? And I was just like, well, this is the right move for me. And I'd, uh, I really want you guys to support it. And um, the way my dad supported it is driving me the whole way. So, yeah, when I came into New York City, tears. <laughs> I, was, I was bawling. I was like, fuck, my dad, New York. <laughs> uh, new chapter. I was so. It's so hard. It felt so great. It really did. Oh, yeah. You deserve that. Yeah. Ends and beginnings are always hard as mm. much as we want them. I had a similar experience like when uh, I moved to New York again because I did New York, LA, and then I came back to New York four years later, right? Mm -hmm. And when I came here, I remember my, my mom and my sister, they helped me kind of set up. And the day my mom left, I was also like crying. <laughs> I was like, I was oh crying. no, what am I going to do now? I was like desperate. Like yeah. really, I, I remember I was sitting right here on this couch in front of us, just like crying, being like, what the hell am I doing? You know, because it's like, you're letting go of a part of yourself. Was that after your mom left or was that, she that was left? right after? Cause oh I, I had to God. stay strong for her, you know? But oh, like, I wasn't strong for my dad. I was I was weeping right in front of him. <laughs> that, that's the thing that's weird is that like um I wasn't living with my parents anymore. I was already living mm. in a different country. Yet the just spending a couple of weeks with them, mm. it brings it all back. Right. So, you know, and so I know that I'm gonna see them again in like a month. It's gonna suck saying goodbye again. So it's like it's that family is hard. It's hard to let go. So as as much as we know like this is what I have to do. And we have to remind ourselves, at least I do, like, this is my individual journey and mm -hmm. they set me up for success and I need to just succeed at whatever I want to do and just be happy, you know? And it's like, it's so hard to let go. Okay. Let me flip the script real quick and Here be we, the interview. Here we go. Interviewer <laughs> for a moment. The victim. When you moved to a whole new country yes. here, how did you connect with people? What, what did you do? To be quite honest, I got drunk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that works for a lot of people, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it didn't, it didn't take me far. It, it's like, like, I, I had, like, in Brazil, the drinking age is 18. So mm -hmm. when I moved mm -hmm. here, I was 18. I was like, you know what? You don't want me to be a citizen? I'm not following your laws. So I was like, I'm going to follow Brazil's drinking wow. age. So that was, like, my rule. Drink responsibly. I just like would go out to bars and try to meet people because I did not make friends in school. So I, I barely spent time there because I was also working. I had to make money, survive, all these things. So I was mostly, you know, trying to connect with people close to my age at bars, which was hard because everybody was so much older because I was under the drinking age. And then otherwise, when I was working, I worked with TV news for a long time. Everyone was at least three times my age. So I've always spent a lot of time with people much older than me. I did the same, actually. Hello. Yeah. Because, um, <laughs> I mean, you live in like that small town. Everybody that figured out that this, like, that they wanted some sort of creative career, they were like 20s, 30s. And I'm just like, 
at like that age, I was like an 11 year old going to their studios and stuff, like just hanging out for a moment. And like, they'd give me like some candy and then like, I'd like watch them work for like an hour and then I'd peace out. Most of the people that I really connected with were like twice my age. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, that's still true today for the most part is like my roommates are twice my age right now. And I'm like, just cool with it. How long have you been in New York? Two years. Two years. Two years. Literally tomorrow will be two years since I signed my first lease. Wow. Yeah. That's the longest you've ever lived somewhere, right? Yes. Wow. This this is like speaking on like same apartment, same, living in the same room. It feels weird. <laughs> um, the longest I lived somewhere before was like a year and a half-ish. I just signed my lease this morning actually for like the next year so now three years at the same place wow congratulations yeah, thank you big deal did <laughs> yeah. you did you do that for me so it fits perfectly into this episode it fits perfectly into this episode but <laughs> this was the planned meeting i had with my landlord this That's morning destiny so, thank yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah three years is going to be really great i mean i just feel so relaxed and like that's something that i don't think I've ever felt about like living somewhere is just like when you move like within a city yeah it's the same city but you're in a whole new neighborhood now maybe there's a closer grocery store a closer coffee shop um in New York City it's like where are you going to do your laundry and where's the nearest train stations and stuff so it's like crazier here and people move like every year here regularly um so for me to like have live in a crazier place like New York City yet not have to worry about like finding the new subway station and getting used to that line or finding my new laundromat that I like or like a grocery store like where I am now I I've like started to connect with like the cashiers and like the laundry lady she's amazing me and her have the best conversations every time I come in she always jokes about like folding the underwear of like people because she does a service uh, where she like folds clothes and stuff too. I really like having this neighborhood feel. Never experienced it before. And to know that I'm going to be there for another year at the very least feels great. I think people underestimate how exhausting moving is because my first year in LA, I moved four times. You always keep things in boxes. You're like, why am I going to unbox this? You know, it, you also just don't get to adapt. Like you're just starting to get to know the place and starting to feel like home and then up, oh, interrupt everything, pack everything again and leave. And that's energy and time that's being taken away from you. And when you're actually able to feel comfortable somewhere, I think you can build so much on top of that. It's so cool to to see that now you can actually start building a life for yourself, like your own. Do you have a memory box? I, I have multiple. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that I've realized with people that have like moved around a lot. And it might be something everybody does. But uh, yeah, I have this like memory box of just like the, the things that I specifically didn't want to get rid of, like move to move to move. And like the thing is, when you move around a lot, you get rid of stuff every single move. It, no matter what, like you have to get rid of something. It's just like this memory box. I love it. I pull it out like three times a year and I just like 
weep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like man, I miss these friends and I miss Aww. these places. Yeah. I have a couple of things with me that I brought from Brazil, uh, and everywhere I move, I go. Like I have to leave many of my rubber ducks yeah. behind at this point, though we still Dang. have several around the yeah. apartment. Um, <laughs> but from Brazil, I brought my Muse CD collection. Muse is my favorite band. So I was like, this is the only thing I've ever collected other than rubber ducks, which was, a, it, it wasn't my choice. Like people made me have a collection, mm. but Muse was like, I want to have every single CD because they just, they're a big part of who I am. So I have their whole collection with me. And I also have this uh, card. It's a huge, like uh, greeting card. I don't know the name in English, just these cards that people write dedications to. What are these cards? Like birthday card? Like people give you a card. I don't, I don't know. What is it called? I don't know. The cards. Just thank you cards? Thank you cards or yeah. something. So someone, uh, before I moved to the US, my friends there, they organized this whole like goodbye party wow. and they wrote on a huge card. And I also take that everywhere I go. So it's in my closet. Yeah. Those mm. are the two main things. And I also have a little dog. His name is Toto. He's really tiny. I've had him since I was seven years old. He's like a little Dalmatian. Where is he? Uh, this is him. Oh, you can hold him. Yeah, I don't know why I've always kept him. Um, it's just my mom gave it to me when I was a kid, and I remember I loved playing with him. And my sister had a little sheep. She lost it. But Toto, he moved with me to Edina, Minnesota, when I was nine. When I lived there for a year. You lived in Minnesota. I did for one year. Minnesota Pete. <laughs> yes, yeah, he also lived, I lived in Minnesota. In Duluth. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I was in Edina. That's how I learned English, by the way. In Minnesota? In Minnesota. So when I first moved to New York, uh, people were like, you have a bit of a Minnesotan accent. Now I don't know what it is. What's my accent? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm, I have a Minnesotan accent a little bit. And like most people will be like, you talk funny. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what that's they it. would say. Anyway, I don't know at this point. I don't know how to keep up. But I have Toto. I've, I've taken him to every single move of my life. So hmm. even in L.A., when I was moving those four times, the last apartment that I was in, it was so weird because uh, the first one, I was in an inflatable bed for three months. And mm. then, because I was like, ah, I'm going to move anyway. Inflatable bed. And then it would deflate. So I would wake up every morning on the floor. Um, <laughs> that happened for a while. Yeah. <laughs> LA is fabulous when you're on a budget, you know? Uh, <laughs> otherwise, this is a really random item. It's just, it was right next to him. Mm. This is sand from the Dead Sea. Have you been to the Dead Sea? I have not. Um, oh. My first boyfriend ever in Brazil, He when he went there, he was like, what do you want? I was like, bring me sand. I was like, I was interested. So this is another thing that I just think is kind of cool and precious. And it is in a shower gel cap. I was going to say, it kind of looks like a fancy like shower scrub. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's sand from the Dead Sea. Yeah. These are the, the two things that I take with me. That's small. That's you can take that everywhere. Yeah. What about you? What, what's your thing? I guess I'd say my boosted board, really. Ah. If I'm going to move anywhere else, I'm taking my boosted board. Um, that thing, I spent my last dime on that um, when I bought it, and I used it for everything. Like, I loved it. Um, so... That thing means a lot to me. Like right now, it's actually like dying. <laughs> so I'm like trying not to ride it anymore. Um, and it looks so beat up. It's like seeing like your like your pet like start to dwindle. It's like, oh, I like it's not good. If I ride you too much, you're going to break. <laughs> so I can't ride you. 
but you're just sitting there in the closet now, so I don't know what to do with it. I want to make a piece of art out of it. Yeah, um, that's super cool. Everywhere that I moved, I made sure to keep room for my booster board, my memory box, which is just like mostly little slips of paper from like people that um, I would have them write a note for me in the future. Um, and I put that in my memory box. So some of them I haven't opened yet because some people just trolled me and said, you can't open for 20 years. Oh. And so like open in 2031. And I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay true to it. That was a reaction. I love that. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay true to it. But yeah. like I always take that memory box and I will never leave my booster board. I can see why you're attached to it because it's like a piece of history. It's it's the stability that you never had in like physical representation. Oh, I just remembered one more thing. Ooh. My first camera. Me too. I will never ever get rid of that because that is another thing I spent my last dime on. Do you think that the instability you lived prepared you more for the life you're living in New York now? Because New York City is pretty unpredictable it's not like you can count on most people. Like there's a lot of instability within living in a big city like New York. So do you think that this experience you had prepared you for it? Or, you know, what are your general thoughts about it? I think it was definitely something where thinking about moving to New York City, I felt like I'd be able to survive. Um, I was like, there's nothing that can be more unstable than what I've experienced before. And when the idea of moving to New York City came up and I saw the opportunity to, I jumped at it immediately. Um, I had never explored New York City, been to New York City. My first ever weekend here, I canceled my flight back because I was like, this is it. This is my next chapter. I'm going to move here. So you were just visiting and you decided to stay? Yeah. And I think what's really important to highlight here is the person that I stayed with, um, Elliot Walker. He's one of my... He's a fan of the podcast, by the way. He's a fan of the He's podcast. He wants to be on, by the way. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, he messaged me. He said he really liked it. I was so happy. Yeah. He's an uh, amazing creator. When the pandemic hit, I, I was posting on TikTok all the time. I kind of went viral on TikTok for a while. Um, all my videos were getting like 500,000 views plus, And like I gained 300,000 subscribers within like the span of like a month and a half. That's awesome. Which was insane. Which was great. Um, but that's when Elliot was also blowing up. And so we both reached out to each other again. And we were challenging each other to hit certain milestones first. Eventually, he went to New York City to for six months. On his last weekend that he was supposed to be in the city, he or like the weekend before that, he was like, hey, next weekend's my last weekend here. Like, if you want to come, like, that's your last chance. And I was like, okay, shit, spirit.com. Like, <laughs> what can I get for the cheapest? And like, I bought like a $60 flight. Wow. Um, and I got into New York City and... Uh, I was walking out of Penn Station coming from Newark and like I'm filming on my GoPro because I was like, I got to film my whole reaction to this. These are my like first steps in New York City. You had never been to New York? Never. Um, How old were you? 
22. Okay. Not, uh, not long ago, guys. Not long ago. Two years. I have it recorded me saying, shit, this doesn't feel like a trip. This actually feels like I'm just going to stay here. And my sister who dropped me off at the airport to go to New York, she joked as I was leaving like the car going in to like do security and all that. Um, she went, this is actually you going to New York. You're never coming back. Bye. Oh, boy. And it was a joke. And it was, it's recorded. Because wow. like I'm always recording things. I think that it all lined up so well because like I got there, I met Elliot, we had a great like first two days. And then on that third day, I was like, man, I got to leave tomorrow morning. I don't want to. I didn't have any job that was going to call me back. The only thing was rent, but my rent at that place that I was at at the time was $400 a month. So I was like, maybe I can survive like paying that rent and then whatever my fees are at the Airbnb that I'm staying at. I wrote, don't wait on my arm with Sharpie. I went to go get it tattooed and that was it. Um, so then you moved to New York just like that. You're like, I'm not going back. I wasn't going to wait to move here. I wasn't going to wait till I felt right about it. I wasn't going to wait for anything. Don't wait to meet people. Nice. Don't wait for anything. That's mm. smart. Maybe I need that tattoo. <laughs> Though sometimes... I need to be like, wait. <laughs> and you know, there's sometimes where I'm like, okay, hold on. Don't, don't get ahead Cover of yourself. Yeah, yeah. Even though, of course, you came from like a good family environment, but your life was really always unstable. Mm. I feel like what you gained from that was the natural courage to be like, yeah, I can move to New York. Like, I'll figure it out. So it's interesting because the ideal is to be born into comfort and, you know, stay in the same home, like have all your family around, the same group of friends. That's what everybody kind of wants when they're growing up. It's not necessarily what's best, but it's usually those people who are held back from following their dreams. They're the ones that are the most scared. So do you feel like you almost had an advantage in that sense? Or at mm. least that's something positive that you can take from that experience? Like looking at my history, um, I think that it was something where... I might feel more comfortable about this because this is just who I am to have to move somewhere, not knowing exactly what it's going to be like. I wouldn't recommend it for everybody. I was not smart about it. All I had left was like my credit card, like, cause I had no money in my account and I had like $800 on my credit card. And I was like, okay, this is not smart. Um, I spent all my money on the first like two weeks. I'm kind of screwed here. I need to find a job. So like I was communicating that with Elliot, like, hey, is there a way that we can do work? I tried Uber Eats. Scariest shit I've ever done. <laughs> um, I didn't know the city whatsoever. So I'm on this guy borrowing my friend Elliot's skateboard to oh do God. Uber Eats would never do that again i delivered somebody's food like three hours late because i got lost and that that was my last order because i was like <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know how to get to them i ended up taking the subway to get to them i felt so bad you know everything kind of takes its course for a reason you know i think that you were put in this family for a reason and i think sometimes the universe gives us the tools that we need to prepare us for the things that we really want to do and this feels like that in a way. Like, sure, it wasn't stable. It was difficult. 
but it seems like you made the most out of it and it's giving you the courage to believe in yourself, which is, I don't know, I think many people would trade their comfort growing up for that kind of bravery hmm. is what I think. I mean, if I had it my way, I would, I would choose everything the same way. I wouldn't change a thing. I think that it all worked out and it all played out for a reason. Um, and it got me to where I want to be. Yeah, and now you're living in New York City, and here. you created a community called Creators NYC mm -hmm. on Instagram, which is about a year and a half old, and we met through there. You have connected so many creators in New York and created community, not only for yourself, which is something that clearly you were lacking when growing up, but for other people. So do you feel like this entire life experience that you had is kind of like what gave you that purpose to do that? And I, I built that out of a necessity for wanting to find people here in New York City. You know, doing a meetup every single weekend for the past year and a half and having at the very minimum, like four to 10 people show up is insane. Every single Saturday is my favorite day. Favorite day out of the week, every day of the week, every year from here on out. Um, just because... Every Saturday they do the meetups, right? <laughs> yeah. We have a, a regular Saturday meetup. Um, 10 to 12. 10, 10 a.m. to 12 a.m. or 12 p.m. Just because that's when people show up. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's so important because it's a, f it's a free thing. There's meetups that happen all the time in New York City, but usually it's like, oh, you have to do the cover charger, buy the ticket, or um, be a part of this community already. What I think is special and what I want to keep true to what creators NYC is, is like, it's a free thing. Anybody can go. And especially people that don't know a single person. Those are the people that, you know, they come to the meetup and they get talked to the most. And they leave always with a new friend, like grabbing lunch or going and doing something, being a part of a photo shoot that somebody was about to be on. I can't say it enough. I am so grateful for the people that do go. Because we have attracted some of the most wholesome and like just real people that you can find in the city. What I think is amazing about the community, it's that people are really real, you know, and mm. they're, they're not always just to talk about content, but just talk to, to talk about life. It doesn't feel mm. transactional. It's like people are there to actually connect and get to know you. Like they care about who you are. And it's all kinds of creators of all different levels. So there's like a lot of photographers, there are designers, there's like sometimes painters. I don't know, everybody goes there. Right. And yeah. it's cool because every week you get a different mix of people. I usually mm -hmm. can't go on Saturdays because I work every Saturday. <laughs> but whenever I can manage, I do pop by. But I remember that when I found you guys, to be quite frank, I had just been heartbroken and my best friend had also left. And so I was completely alone in New York. And I was going through a really hard time. I was just like, it was terrible. And I was looking to meet people. I was really desperate and I was doing everything that I could. I was like, I need to meet people. And, you know, and I didn't have friends from college. And I think something that people struggle with the most after university or moving to a new place is just finding community or finding consistency. Most of the friendships that really last a lifetime are those that just kind of happen naturally because you see them often, mm -hmm. but we get busy with life. It's hard to meet up with people, even in New York where everything's close. So I remember that going there, I felt like it was a little strange the first time I arrived. I'm like, wait, this is it. People are just sitting down and hanging out in this coffee shop. I was like, because I, I was expecting it to be so like scary 
And so I was like, oh, it's like, it's just a hang. People are just hanging out. I just didn't expect I'm that. I'm so glad you said because that. Because most places, you're just like, you're expecting that networking vibe. But I'm like, no, people are just being themselves and there's like no pressure. You're just chilling. It I was will, nice. I will say that people do come with a networking vibe. And those people usually get filtered out. It's all about intention when you go somewhere and when you meet somebody. And like, if your intention is just to get people to know who you are, it's not the place for you. It's the place where you want to connect with other people and maybe walk away with a new friend or walk away with like a lunch date with somebody or something. If you're looking to come just to talk about yourself. Just take. Take. Yeah. You got to give before you can take. Yeah. And I mean, the people that go to Creators NYC see the people that just want to take. Ooh, and, they and like, know. And it's Is not it you. <laughs> and it's it's not like oh my God. we don't. Ju- it's not like a judgy thing. Mm-hmm. But like, if I come in here and I'm just like. Carolina, I'm filming this video. I want to tell you all about it. And like, this is my thing. And like, yeah. oh yeah, so what do you do? Oh, that's cool. But like, what the, what I'm doing is yeah. really good. Like, gotcha. and then it's like, mm. Well, then this week I went to a really, really lovely event with another creator community called Creator Camp. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love Creator Camp. And I, I was like, I had no expectations. But I was thinking, is this going to be networky? I don't know. But, you know, I went with no expectations. And it was so funny. I was asked so many questions and I am not used to being asked questions. Like I was like, I was even like, like I didn't even have time to bounce back with a question because they were so curious to get to know me. And I was telling my sister on the phone yesterday, I was like, damn, like they actually cared. Like they Mm. wanted to get to know me. And it's always me like feeling like I have to sustain the conversation but I was just so shocked. I was like, wow, like these people actually want to get to know me. And, and I was like, wait a second. I'm like, is this how it's supposed to feel? Like, <laughs> Is this what a balanced relationship is? Like I'm interested in them and they're interested in me. Like, Whoa. <laughs> no. I swear to God. And I was like, this is so weird because I didn't expect that. So it's sad that, the norm, maybe it's a big city thing, I don't know, but mm-hmm. the norm is it's transactional, it's networky. And I was like, this is a really nice vibe. Like, I can just be myself and I don't have to talk about work all the time. Like, we actually help each other. And what's similar with them, with Creators NYC, is that people are actually vulnerable. Like, you know, I remember us talking about one of your videos. You're like, oh, I'm not sure if I should post it. And everyone's like, no, you should post it, like lifting you up. And 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 I feel like when I go, I always try to be really honest too, to be, you know, guys, I don't know what I'm doing either. Like, it's totally fine, you know, like, because uh, things, they seem different from the outside, you know, but yeah. so I don't, it's just, it's a breath of fresh air, honestly. So I hope more groups pop up that are open like this. And yeah. in, instead of being a networking event. Because it's about the people, you know? And I was giving an interview just now for this uh, creator page, I think, in India. And they mm. were super interesting. And they were asking, so what is, like, your dream collab? And I was like, my dream collab is someone who wants to collab with me. Someone who's Ooh. inspired by me. Ooh. Because if 
I, it's not just about me being inspired by them, you know, which mm -hmm. of course I'm inspired by many creators, but they need to want to work with me too, you mm -hmm. know? So, and this is new for me. Okay. I did an episode about people pleasing. Go listen. Yes. <laughs> it's a whole frustration. I'm like, I'm so tired of giving. And just like, and then reevaluating because if you're attracting transactional people, it's because you've been transactional as well. Mm. So that's why I'm like, wait a second, I got to rethink about everything I'm doing because you're just following the flow and trying to survive and trying to make friends. And then you're adapting to what you think people want in a friend. Like, I don't know, this is like the person that I should be. So I'm trying to figure out more of my individuality now, which is also why I've been spending so much time alone. Um, but I don't know. I think what you do is really cool and I'm really grateful for Creators NYC and I'm appreciative of you coming here being so vulnerable and sharing your journey. I think it's going to inspire a lot of people and who knows, I hope to create a community like that with my podcast too, if I'm lucky. So any final wow. words of advice or thoughts on mm -hmm. building community? If you are somebody that doesn't have the community right now and you want it like you see these other groups and you're like i want to be a part of that but maybe you're not in new york city just talk to somebody that you see that's doing something similar to what you do just try to get to know them meet them for coffee or grab lunch or go shoot photos somewhere i think you'll be very surprised at how much other people are willing to to connect as well it doesn't take much. It's just mm -mm. start. And you're, if you're feeling that discomfort, don't wait. Don't wait, baby. <laughs> I love that. Chich, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. This was such a pleasure. Where can people find you? At Chich Bolt everywhere. And also check out uh, Creators NYC. It's just Creators NYC. Easy. Everywhere. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm Carolina Risotto. This was No Ducks Given Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. So I got to bring you a duck. Quack. <laughs> Quack. Good job. <laughs> yes, you have to bring me a duck. <laughs>